Over a thousand gathered last uh, weekend in London for the UK Ireland concert. Christmas past together. And all of you were able to make that. And uh, it was a very encouraging time. Uh, come together. We're going to jump back into the Gospel of Luke. I have a church this evening. Luke chapter 8, last time we were in there. Uh, we were uh, confronting evil with Jesus as he uh, approaches a demonic man and in the same meeting turns him into an evangelist. It was quite a miracle, quite a story. So we're going to read on here uh, after Jesus heals this, this incredibly demented man and tells him to go in verse 39, return home and tell how much God has done for you. He crosses back over the Sea of Galilee to more of the area where his ministry really started. And in verse 40 it says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. Because his only daughter, a girl about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowd almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. In verse 45. When they all denied it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and present against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then, verse 47, the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up! Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. But he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Talk to others. Even hear about breakthrough faith. That's the title of my sermon. Speaking of breakthrough faith, yeah. Speaking of breakthrough faith, that's going to be a tough one clearly tonight. Speaking of breakthrough faith, um, uh, we as a church have been discussing, uh, seeking input uh, within our church uh, leadership and even just within the church. Getting advice, praying uh, about the opportunity to hire a couple uh, to work full time with the teens and the student uh, ministry, uh, and uh, we, uh, after you know, doing that uh, for a time now, uh, we feel that there's widespread support uh, to hire Matt and Tia Ritchie uh, from Sydney, Australia, for a year starting in mid-October, and so I'd like to introduce you to them for the first time. <laughs> Maybe I thought I had a picture. Come on, come on, you can do it. Is it in there? <laughs> It was there. It's gone. But they're coming. But they're coming. <laughs> Do you have faith is the question. Do you have faith that they are coming? Yes. 
Yeah, amen, that's okay. Maybe we can pop it up at the end. Um, but yeah, Matt and Tia Ritchie, uh, they, they, uh, they both became Christians as, as uh, in their late teens. Um, they have been working professional jobs for the past few years. Uh, my wife and I worked with them uh, for years in the student ministry in Sydney, then in the teen ministry. So they have a lot of experience. They've done a lot of ministry training already uh, with School of Missions with Mike Fontenot down in Sydney. Uh, internships in, in the States as well over the years. And so they have a lot of experience that they'll bring. Uh, and I think you guys will have an uh, incredible time with them over here in the next year. But of course, this is a step of faith for our church. Uh, you know, uh, please be praying for them. Obviously, they're taking a huge step leaving their professional jobs uh, to come and uh, serve our church for a year. And uh, we really want our church and them to benefit uh, from this decision. Um, but back to Luke 8 after that uh, um, uh, anticlimactic moment there as I try to unveil a picture of them. Um, you know, you know there, there, there's, there's just power flowing out of Jesus in chapter 8. He confronts this evil man. You know, everyone's terrified. They ask Jesus to leave when he drives up uh, the demons with this demonic man. He sends the man to go and be an evangelist for him. Then he comes back on the other side of Sea of Galilee and, and one of the synagogue leaders uh, comes at his feet and says, My daughter is dying. Please come to the house right now so you can save her. Uh, Jesus starts to go. There's so many people there. The crowds are pressing against him. Uh, this woman who had heard about him believes that she just touches his cloak. She will be healed. Sure enough, she does and she is. Uh, while this is happening and she confesses what happened, Jairus says, uh, one of his servants comes in and tells, you know, Jairus, don't bother the, you know, the Lord, the, the, the girl is dead. Jesus says, don't worry, just believe. They show up at the house. Everyone's wailing. The funeral procession has begun. Jesus says, she's not dead but asleep. They laugh at him. Right? They laugh at him. And then he raises this little girl from the dead. Wow. What, what, what a day at the office for the Savior of the world right there, you know. But, but that was just another day at the office for the Savior of the world. And Luke's Gospel is, is bursting. It's bursting with this power uh, that Jesus brought in His earthly ministry. One amazing miracle uh, after another. Uh, and this here is, is a miracle wrapped within a miracle. It's, it's a miracle squared, right? Uh, in this little passage here uh, that we just read in Luke chapter 8. An interesting question arises whenever you open up the Bible and really think about the miracles that Jesus performed. How are we today to interpret the miracles that Jesus performed? Uh, you know, are, are they to be duplicated? Some people believe that in Christianity. Are they to be imitated? Are they symbolic, perhaps, of the Christian life? Are they, are they a hint of the ultimate redemption that Jesus will bring to this world one day? Or is it all of the above? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And many have debated this for a long time. I'm not going to get into all those debates today. Uh, the one view I will put out there, though, before we look at this text a bit more, is what does the Bible actually say about how we today ought to view these miracles that we've just read about? Well, there's a great scripture that we will go to, not the picture of Matt and Tia, in John 20, verses 29 to 31. Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and Thomas is doubting, because they've seen him, a few of the disciples already appear. And so Jesus shows up to Thomas, right? And Thomas, once he touches his, his wounds, then, then he says he believes, right? And confesses Jesus as the Son of God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then John notes, Jesus performed many other signs, another word for miracles, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. 
And so, I don't know exactly how we should interpret miracles today. I'm not going to get into all the debates. But biblically speaking, based on what John wrote here and Jesus himself said, today, miracles are, are, are read by us in the Bible to help us believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And the other thing here is that by believing in this Jesus, we can find life. So, so to me today, Jesus', Jesus miracles, they're, they're like signposts. They're pointing us to something more. And specifically here, pointing us to breakthrough in life that the, our faith in Jesus can bring. And, and so I do want to clarify, you know, as we, as we learn a bit more today about Jesus' miracles, I'm, I'm not personally promoting a genie in the bottle approach to Jesus, that if you believe in Him, you'll get a miracle, you'll get what you want in your life. I'm not promoting that theology. I'm not promoting a, a self-help Messiah. You know, this is what I want. Jesus, will you give it to me? I, I'm not here to promote that. Again, I'm here to promote that miracles are to help us to believe that Jesus is who He said He was. And that by believing in Him, we'll find life in His name. You know, the incarnation of God... And again, that's John 20, right? Verses 29 to 31. Just to repeat that. The incarnation of God, uh, Jesus Christ being fully man and fully God, that's one of the miracles the New Testament proclaims that Jesus uh, literally was. You know, He was God and He was fully human. That's what we call the incarnation in Christianity. Uh, that, that incarnation of God brought with Him power that we're reading about today, manifested in these miracles uh, that the Bible records, but they came at a time for a distinct purpose. And the main purpose, so was, again, was that we might believe in Jesus and find life in His name. And so, and so our response ultimately, biblically, to these miracles that we read about today, which are, are amazing, should be to search for belief and life in His name. That, that, that's what we should be searching for, not miracles. Now, amen, as we search for belief and life in His name, miracles may occur. God can still do miracles. There's, there, no one can deny that because God is God. But that's not what we should be looking for today. We should be looking for belief and life in His name. And so back to the purpose of Jesus' miracles for us to, today. What, what can we find in regards to belief and life as we learn here about these two great miracles that He just performs here uh, in Luke chapter 8? Um, I love this passage though because to me it's, it's a very practical application of this idea because here, you know, this idea of belief and life, they intersect. They, they come together in a beautiful way. A lot of times we kind of separate those two things. You know, our, our faith, our belief is, you know, it's vertical and our, and our life is kind of horizontal and they're, they're kind of two different realms. But here they come together. They come together uh, in this interaction with these humans and Jesus. And it's, and it's a beautiful breakthrough moment for this father whose daughter has died. And it's a beautiful breakthrough moment for this woman who has suffered for 12 years uh, with this terrible uh, uh, disease that she had. And so, so we'll look at these miracles here and see in particular how, how belief allows breakthrough in our life today. And how we can find belief and we can find trust in Jesus through this account of these two miracles. And so just two points here tonight. Uh, I'm going the wrong way. Uh, the first point here is breakthrough faith keeps going. Breakthrough faith keeps going. You know, these miracles can remind us to keep going in belief when life is tough. You know, the synagogue leader, Jairus here, he's having a tough day. His daughter, we don't know how long she's been sick, but it says it's his only daughter, and she's 12 years old. Womanhood began at 13 in the Jewish culture, so she's just about to enter womanhood. 
they've, they've raised her and, and I'm sure taught her well. He's a synagogue leader. She's on the verge of, of one day becoming a wife and a mother. And Jairus will be a, you know, a grandfather, a proud Jewish grandfather. She'll be with him in the synagogue, you know, you know, with her kids. When, you know, that, that, that was the vision, but all of a sudden she's sick. Something's gone horribly wrong. And he somehow hears about Jesus, and he, and he finds that he's come back to their, their part of the Sea of Galilee, and he falls at his knees and begs him to come to his home to save his daughter. And of course, Jesus is on the way, and he's interrupted by this woman who wants to be healed. And in verses 49 to 50, it says that he, he was told his daughter's already died. But Jesus challenges him to still believe, right? And he does. And this, this, this new life is brought back to his daughter who has just died through this miracle of Jesus. You know, two things stand out to me here practically with Jairus' faith uh, that brought about this breakthrough. Uh, the first one here is that he just simply swallowed his pride. First of all, the guy is a synagogue leader. At this point, Jesus' ministry has become very controversial among the Jews. And many of the Jews are, are no longer sure that they should be listening to this guy. He's received a lot of opposition. And Jairus is the synagogue leader. He runs the local synagogue. He's the man when it comes to you know the, the, that little church, if you want to call it today. And so for him to come to Jesus and ask him to heal his daughter and bring Jesus into his home, he was risking his profession. He was risking his reputation. He was risking everything that he would have hold dear in that city and that culture at that time. Not to mention, I'm sure he was a very capable guy. He was, he was probably very very wealthy, very well-to-do, very influential. Uh, and just naturally, the, the, the pride of what will people think, naturally the pride of, I might lose things if I take this risk, and just even naturally the pride of, I'm my own man, I can figure this out myself, I don't need to run to someone else. Could have prevented him, but he swallows his pride. Whatever, whatever pride may have been there, and humbly falls at the feet of Jesus. And his great humility opens the door for an incredible miracle uh, that brings his daughter back to life. And the other thing about Jairus that's obvious is he believed the impossible was possible. He believed the impossible was possible. And I get the plea and the hope while his daughter's still alive. But it's a whole other level. It's a whole other level once you've heard she's dead to still believe that this guy Jesus can bring her back to life. He believed in a miracle before the miracle occurred. He had that kind of faith. You know, it's interesting. Jesus, He resurrected three different humans before He Himself resurrected, right? Uh, in the Gospels. In Luke 7, and we just read this a while back, He resurrects uh, the, widow's, uh, the widow at Nain's son as they're walking out in the funeral procession. She resurrects, uh, he resurrects this widow's son. Uh, here in Luke chapter 8, uh, he resurrects Jairus' daughter. And then, of course, in John 11, the more famous one of the three, he resurrects his friend Lazarus uh, from the dead. And I like this because this kind of covers a bit of an age range here. This, this girl, it says, is 12 years old. She's, a, she's almost an adult. She's a child, though. She's not quite an adult. Uh, when Jesus uh, brings the widow's son back to life, he says, Young man, I say to you, get up. So he was likely a young adult, probably in his, in his teen years. And then we know Lazarus was a, was a full, full-fledged adult, you know, living on his own at that particular point uh, in the narrative in John 11. And so it's a great reminder that is, is there any, any age, young or old, that Jesus cannot reach? And the resurrection miracles answer with a loud no. No, there's no one beyond hope. Uh, there's no one who Jesus cannot reach. You know, the young woman here, uh, 
in, in, in Luke uh, 8. She's, she's just died. She's just died, right? The widow's son had been dead probably at least for a few days because the funeral procession now was going out to, to take him to the tomb. But Lazarus, Lazarus had been in the tomb already, it says for four days in John 11. And, and, and they were worried that it would smell when they were removing the cover of the tomb. So again, is there any situation too hard for Jesus to work in? And again, the resurrection miracles give us a loud no. And so in these three miracles, uh, Jesus, he, you know, he conquered the one thing in life that we cannot stop, which is death. You know, we can hold back some things, although recently we, with the hurricanes, we realized there are some things we cannot stop in life. And amen, most of our brothers and sisters have returned. I think it's just less Reed now who has not returned, and she's just waiting for a, a flight. So amen, we're glad we had, we had five members of the church stuck in the hurricane down there. Uh, but but there, are, there are some things in life we know we cannot stop. We cannot defeat. But Jesus here, he's defeating death itself. And it's a great reminder of his power. Of course, the New Testament speaks of this power as it talks uh, some trash to death, right? In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul, in verses 55 to 57, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's good as we look at this miracle to be reminded of the biblical Jesus. If he defeated death itself, there is always great breakthrough possible in his name. You never know what this Jesus could do. You just never know what Jesus could do, right? It's exciting to think about. But it takes humility, we see here with Jairus, and faith to see what he indeed really can do. And ultimately, to me, that's just submitting to him. Really submitting to him uh, for who he is. Uh, you know, Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8, I think Jairus is a great picture of this that Jesus taught us, right? He says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. you got to ask. you got to seek. you got to knock. Can we see here with Jairus, uh, you know, this is as simple as just being humble toward Jesus and having faith in His name. And so the good news is, you know, Jesus is still resurrecting lives today. When someone is baptized in the name of Jesus, they participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, according to Romans chapter 6, right? Uh, and we were able to witness the resurrection this past Wednesday as Heather Jewel was baptized. Where's Heather? There she is in the back. So, so we were able to see a resurrection just this week, amen? So we read about a miracle of a young lady being taken you know, back from death 2,000 years ago physically, but spiritually, we're seeing resurrections all the time in God's church. And Heather is you know, uh, you know, the next in line. Praise God for that. And there are more to come, many more to come. And so practically speaking, where are you stuck today? Where are you down today? Where, where are you losing hope? And how might humility and belief in Jesus' power bring breakthrough? That's what I think the story of Jairus' daughter can teach us all. You know, with faith in Jesus, we are, we are not ever without hope. But we live by faith as we approach that idea. And that is not easy. It, it's so easy to quit. It's so easy to pull back when we're called to live by faith. There's a story of a man. He was uh, shipwrecked on a desert island. Maybe down the Caribbean. And uh, 
you know, he, he was there for a while. He's a very handy guy, so he started he started deciding to build a little a little village for himself just to pass the time. So he'd get wood and stone, and he started, you know, he made a he made a post office, you know. Then he made a he made a baker. There was no one in it. There was no food. There was no mail. He just he was just trying to stay busy. So he started making this little this little village here on the deserted island. Beautiful, you know. And so one day he gets rescued. And he wants to show his rescuers what, what he had done because he, so, he spent a decade on it. So he starts saving through the village, you know, and they're going through and it's like, yeah, this is the post office and this is, this is the bakery and, you know, and, and his rescuers are just amazed. And then, then they come to, you know, the, the church and he says, oh yeah, well this, this is the church I used to go to and this is my new church. I, yeah, I had some problems with the previous church, you know. And, and it's a joke, obviously. <laughs> But I think it illustrates, you know, in our faith, it's easy when it gets hard. It's easy when it doesn't seem to, to want to change to simply pull back or sadly even quit. And churches are full of that story in relationships. Churches are full of that in the history of churches. We have this church and this church and this church and this church because a lot of times we don't want to continue to live by faith and trust one another. And yeah, it's easier to quit on one another. And sometimes, sadly, it even seems like it's easier to quit on God. But not those who live by faith. They keep going. They keep going till faith breaks through. The break, uh, faith, breakthrough phrase keeps going. Finally here tonight, it keeps grabbing. It keeps going and it keeps grabbing. Of course, I'm referring here to this woman. The, the miracle inside a miracle. A parentheses miracle, if you will. You know, here in the text, uh, it says that she had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one... No one could heal her. But she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. So Jesus is on the way to rescue a 12-year-old girl, a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years, reaches out and grabs her cloak, it says, and is healed. You know, she was physically suffering, obviously. We're not sure what exactly she was suffering from. It's interesting, the other Gospels note um, what is just footnoted in the NIV here by... Uh, uh, most manuscripts say that um, she had spent all she had on doctors but had not gotten better. Luke, the doctor, interestingly, omits that part from his Gospel. I think that's kind of an interesting side point there. Doctor's pride, perhaps. Roy says, Amen. That's right, that's right. Uh, probably the right decision by Luke to the Holy Spirit. So physically, she suffered... But we know from the Old Testament, if she was a, a devout Jew, she also would have spiritually suffered because of the condition. Luke, Le, uh, Le, I'm sorry, Leviticus 15, 25 and verse 27 say that she would have been considered unclean if she was bleeding. And so she would have been on the fringe of Jewish society as well with this, with this illness. So she would have suffered physically and spiritually uh, because of this, this sad situation for 12 years. But despite all of this, she gets an opportunity in a moment and she grabs for Jesus nonetheless. And she only touches, it says, the edge of his cloak. And instantly, it says, she is healed. Mark's Gospel gives us some insight into her breakthrough faith moment. Uh, Mark's Gospel says uh, in, in Mark 5, verses 27 to 29, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What faith? What faith? She, she didn't think I need to talk to him. I need to get him to, to come see me. I need to get him to touch me in some way. You know, If I just touch the edge of this cloak, I will be healed. 
This woman got Jesus more than most at this point in time uh, in the Gospels. A little bit of faithful thinking can change everything, is what it reminds me of today. This woman's faithful attitude brought breakthrough. A little bit of faithful thinking can change everything. You know, kind of like Lloyd and Mary's relationship in the movie Dumb and Dumber. Let's see if we get this to work. A guy like you and a girl like me ending up together. Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. You really don't hit me with it. Just give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Not good. One out of a million. One in a million, she said. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> what are the chances of a girl like you and a guy like me being together one day? She said, one in a million. And he rejoiced to say, you're saying there's a chance. A classic movie scene there. You know, with Jesus in any and everything, we are saying there's a chance. Seriously, that's what we are saying. Breakthrough faith keeps grabbing for Jesus, because with Jesus, there's always a chance. There's always a chance. And amen, it is a chance with an asterisk, if it's the Lord's will. Because sometimes I think we grab after things, and we think we know what the Lord's will is. And we get ourselves in a lot of trouble because God is ultimately in control of what is and what will, will not be in our lives. And, and amen. Sometimes God keeps us from things we don't we don't need as we grab for them. Uh, and sometimes God gives us things even when we don't grab. But 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 if it's the Lord's will, it's something we need to think about. But with Jesus, indeed, there always is a chance. And so with Jesus, sometimes we don't we don't see the breakthrough we want to see. Jesus Himself experienced that. He prayed three times that if it was possible, there might be another way for him to save us. But that prayer was never answered by God. And he ultimately had to die on a cross for us. So, so he understands, you know, when we, when we don't see what we want to see, he understands that. You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It's not that God doesn't understand uh, our longings and doesn't want to fulfill them. But, but perhaps sometimes the, the, the breakthrough is just to have stronger faith in Jesus. Maybe that's the breakthrough in our faith. And perhaps we're grabbing for the wrong thing in the end, and that would actually mess up our faith. And so God chooses to say no. So grab, but make sure you're aware of that asterisk, is what I'm saying. You know, for all of us, you know, life, life comes at us. Life comes at us. My family, we've, we've, we've been sick now for a month, and we're still sort of sick today. That's why we're not all here, you know. Life has that, that, that way of going, you know, you're, you go to a beautiful wedding down in the Caribbean, and you're stuck in the middle of a hurricane. You know, we have a few members who, who experience just that, right? Uh, and oftentimes in life, um, when you think about when you get in a bad place, if you can trace it back to the very beginning, a lot of times it's connected to our sin in one way or another. And that's not always true. You know, that's, hurricanes, for example, I think have nothing to do with, with the five members of our church's sin down there. You know, but obviously sometimes it's not our fault. Sometimes it's not, it's, it, it has nothing to do with that. But, but, but a lot of times it is even sometimes, sadly enough, just our sin that gets us in these situations. But in those moments, whether we cause it or not, where do we go? What, what do we look to? You know, you have a medical issue. We're very quick to run to the NHS, and amen, we should. 
but not as quick to grab after Jesus as we're going through that, that, you know, that, that physical challenge. Uh, and so I do think God has given humanity great gifts, and I think medicine is one of those gifts, and I think we should use medicine. I'm all for going to the NHS, but a lot of times, that's all, all we grab after in the midst of perhaps physical suffering. That's just one example, and I can be very guilty of that personally. Uh, you know, when I have a headache, I'm thinking ibuprofen. I'm not thinking, Jesus, please help me. Uh, but I, I should think both. I should think both. You know, ultimately as Christians, you know, we ought to be grabbing for Jesus. And I and I appreciate Derek's communion today. Derek and I have been getting together a lot, um, you know, and talking about, you know, you know, his relationship with the church. And um, and one of the things I really appreciate about Derek getting up and apologizing to the church is he's grabbing for Jesus. And he's asking you to grab for Jesus too. You know, and we take communion together and it brings us it brings us closer. It brings us together as we all grab together for Jesus. And that's just one of the many examples of how, of how breakthrough faith can occur when we keep grabbing after Jesus. Now friends, uh, if you're visiting with us today, have you found life? Have you found life? I believe you're here because like us in some way, you're grabbing. You're grabbing after Jesus too. That's, I bet that's why you, you came here today. And according to John 20, what you, what you read today is meant to help you, these two miracles, to find belief and life in His name. And if we can help you with that, we'd love to share the gospel with you. The, 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 the true gospel message. That, that if you believe and you repent and you're baptized in Jesus' name, your sins will be forgiven, past, present, and future. And you'll be added to His church. And one day you'll be restored with Him completely in heaven. But, but again, you've got to, like Jairus, like this woman, you've got to submit, you've got to grab, you've got to come to Jesus. And, and friends, if you're visiting and, and, and you want us to help you with that, please, please let us do that. Please let us sit down and study the Bible with you. Friends, church, uh, both stories here are a uh, breakthrough. Are stories of perseverance, if you really think about it. Twelve years, this woman hangs on for twelve years, and then the breakthrough comes. This this poor father, he he goes from bad news to the worst news. His daughter's not dying; she's dead. But he perseveres. You know, faith will always persevere. It reminds me of one of my favorite passages as we close out here our time in Hebrews ten, verses thirty-five to thirty-nine. It's calling the saints in the church and the early church to persevere. And the writer there says, Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you receive what He has promised. For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But, the writer says, We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So let us, let us, because of who Jesus was and all that Jesus is, keep going and keep grabbing after Him until we see the breakthroughs in our faith. I believe God wants to bring breakthrough in our personal lives. I believe God wants to bring breakthrough in our ministries. I believe God wants to, He wants to bring breakthrough in our church. He, he has wonderful plans in store for all of us, but we gotta keep going. We've gotta keep grabbing. And the Birmingham Church of Christ said, Amen. Thank you.